today on Roll for Insights, I'm joined by Den of Drake, an amazing YouTuber in the RPG horror story community. We discuss homebrewing your own type of monsters in a more realistic fashion. We discuss NPCs that our party likes to adopt, and also just a little bit of horror stories, one of which involves Den of Drake himself. All that today on Roll for Insights. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Roll for Insight. Today, I am joined by Den of Drake. You already know that because you listened to the intro, I hope. But uh, hello, Mr. (laughs) Drake. How do you do on this fine, uh, what day is it today? Thursday afternoon. (laughs) I'm doing pretty good. I mean, it's my first ever podcast, so there's a little bit of nerves there. But most of all, I'm super excited, man. Thanks for having me on. Of course, man. Thanks for coming on. So... Just get it started. You uh, cover RPG horror stories on YouTube uh, very commonly. Like you upload like every week, right? Uh, yes, sir. Every Monday at around two o'clock is about when I want to release a video. Sick. So when you're covering RPG horror stories, and we've talked about this a couple times, but mm-hmm. every time I, I, I talk to someone who's covered RPG horror stories or is into them, and even people who aren't, do you have? And I'm always curious. Do you have a D and D pet peeve not necessarily something that's like horror story level but something that's just oh i can't believe you did that okay uh it's a bit of a meme on my channel but dmpcs mm. i am not a fan of dmpcs whatsoever i think on very rare circumstances dmpcs might be able to work like i read obongo the kobold and that was fun but let's be real here some of that was probably made up um yeah. <laughs> so, but overall, like, no, no, you're good. Uh, yeah. Uh, DMPCs for me, at least, I believe it really sucks the, I guess, um, energy that could be put towards like world building and stuff, and puts it into something that overall kind of defeats the purpose of being a DM because it, I feel like you're going to be kind of half-assing either being a PC or being a DM. Something's got to give, you know? Yeah, like. I watched a great video by, uh, I think it was uh, from XP to level three, I believe made this, where he yeah. covered, yeah, he covered what he considers to be a DMPC. So when mm-hmm. you're monitoring, because a lot of DMs play NPCs allies, including myself, like how do you gauge when you cross that threshold into becoming a DMPC and not just an NPC ally who's tagging along for the journey? That's a really good question because... I think the biggest difference that like real like boundary that the DM crosses that makes a NPC ally into a DMPC is that whether the party actually asked for them to be there. Mm. The biggest defining factor of a DMPC is that they are forced upon the party. They start following around. They're more like a stalker than a friend, essentially. Like if you go into town and they just love Boblin the Goblin, they love him so much. They want to adopt him. They want to do all this stuff. And they next to beg you to bring Boblin along. Well, then that's not a DMPC. That's part of the group. Exactly. That's someone that they asked for. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So, like, the biggest, like, uh, thing for me is that I always get a little bit uncomfortable when, like, uh, the party starts, like, really, uh, well, at least after I started my channel, after the party gets really attached to an NPC, I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to make my own horror story. Yeah. When you're... (laughs) 
see, this is an interesting effect. First and foremost, I want to ask you before I get into this question, how did you get into RPG horror stories? Did you like watch a Crip Crab video like I did or did you see something on um, on on just Reddit and Reddit and then you got into it? What what got yeah. you into this genre? Um, for me, actually, it was Artificial DM. Mm. Uh, Artificial DM and Critical Kunik. Those were my two go-to. And uh, I do a lot of commuting for my job. And it was like a lot of long uh, car trips. And I'm like, I need something to listen to. And a bunch of Reddit reading videos started to come. I was doing like your normal like r slash, that kind of thing. I, I didn't even go on Reddit at the time. But then Artificial DM popped up. I'm like, hey, I play D&D. What's this RPG horror story nonsense? I listened to it and I was immediately hooked. I binged his entire stuff. Then I started getting Kunix stuff and Z Flacco stuff. And after a while, I'm like, huh. I can do this. That might be fun. So then, so, origin yep, of well, Dana Drake. Exactly. I drew up my little dragon. I drew some stills, and here we are. So I am. So I asked that for a reason because I, when I saw the Crick Crab video on the airship, I became so paranoid. Oh God! I became so paranoid about creating my own DM NPCs, and I kind of swapped to the opposite side of the spectrum, where basically. I became paranoid about making NPCs that are too interesting or too in-depth. Do you have any advice for people who watch too many horror stories and might become a little too paranoid about what they're doing and too insecure with how they play the game? Oh, man. Uh, I get this on my channel a lot, and it really breaks my heart. I'll get comments being like, oh, these stories make me really uh, scared to play D&D because I'm afraid I'm going to uh, uh, encounter up. one of these. Yeah, mess it up. Thank you. Uh but I have to say, before I uh, give any sort of advice, is that the reason why RPG horror stories are so entertaining is because they're rare. They're a spectacle. They're, very, they're something we like to point and laugh at because you don't see it every day. Mm. So my biggest advice is design interesting NPCs that live their own life. They would live their life if the party didn't exist. And... If the party wants to become a part of their life, they're going to continue having their own motivations and doing their own thing without necessarily being a part of the party, unless the party, of course, asks for it. When you're thinking about RPG horror stories, I mean, obviously, both of us get ours from Reddit. Do you have any of your own that you'd like to share? Oh, my God. Okay. Um, I've teased this on my channel a few times, but I think it's finally time. <laughs> so... I'm actually the star of this one, uh, believe it or not. Um, one thing a lot, not a lot of people know about me is that I am really into dinosaurs and paleontology. Uh, my two loves are D&D &D and paleontology. I love dead things. I love scientific accuracy. Like, there's this new movie that came out that's like Mitchells versus the Machines. There's this kid that's, like, obsessed with dinosaurs and, like, scientific accuracy. That's me. Uh, oh, my God. I love it. Uh, <laughs> I decide my first time ever DMing, I'm gonna put a T Rex in there because Heck yeah, uh, yeah, after that is gonna be a waste of time. Okay, like why? Why wouldn't I? <laughs> so I flip open the monster manual. And I took a look at it. I'm like, no, 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 this won't do. Get this Jurassic Park crap out of here. We're doing it with scientific accuracy. So I decided I was gonna homebrew the main antagonist of my first one shot, my first time ever DMing. So I lowered the speed, lowered the dexterity a bit. I took the stealth to like an obscenely high number, balance be damned, because I'm like, oh, it's an ambush predator. It's going to pop out and grab him. And the bite, I'm like, what is this? 
4d10 so, sorry 4d12 that's dinky that doesn't represent the legendary tyrannosaurus rex i made that 8d12 oh man my party's level three. Oh, they're, they're <laughs> gone. They're gone. All right. So uh, they're going through this forest and they're doing their thing. And I ask, hey, guys, what's your marching order? Ha ha ha. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Because I have the T-Rex sneaking up on him. Of course, none of them see him because the obscenely high stealth. And the cleric says, I'm in the back. I'm rounding out the back. I'm like, OK, I got my target. Uh, I have the T-Rex pop out and grab him. I had this idea where they were going to like grab him, knock him out in one bite, and then take him back to the nest. It was going to be this cool rescue mission where you got to go save the cleric. I deal 60 points of damage. Uh, Ooh. Is yeah, that, isn't that I, at level three? That's, that's insta-full death. Uh-huh. I didn't know that. <laughs> so I it bites him, and of course he hits zero, dies immediately, and the guy's like throws up his hands like, well, I'm dead. Yeah, okay, cool, man. Uh, yeah, so you're at zero hit points. Next turn, you're making death saves. No, 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 no. Man, I'm dead. You're dead. What do you mean you're dead? As in, like, I'm dead. I got to make a new character. <laughs> I was like, So then shit. I'm like, oh, yeah. So, of course, new DM. I start panicking. Like, oh, God, I made this too strong. It's too strong. And me being the idiot that I am, I didn't think I could, like, change the T-Rex's damage on the fly. So I just kept rolling with it. And I'm like, okay, I just got to grab one person and then take it back to the nest. I can save this. I can save this. And just popcorn from person person to person to person because of course i give it an insanely high modifier to hit yeah it didn't go well eventually one person decided to be polite enough not to die <laughs> to the terribly overpowered t-rex oh my god the terribly overpowered t-rex but it was scientifically accurate and that's all that matters <laughs> i felt so bad i was like all right come on drake don't let them see you cry be a big man <laughs> yeah it's it's just and it's also so sad because like my my party, we've been doing this for two years, and they've been mm-hmm. so attached to their characters. Well, not to a degree that is like crazy, crazy, but they're very attached to their characters. They love their characters. They love playing oh, yeah. them, and I I hate I hate killing them because it feels <laughs> it feels so crappy, you know? Like I know it's terrible. Exactly. Like, uh, oh, Lord, one of my players, uh, lover to death. And we've been playing the campaign we're in for a long time. And everyone, like, their backstory evolves. Because, like, based off of what happens, like, the world, like, grows as they grow. And they're like, oh, that'd be really cool if that was a part of my backstory somehow. And I let them change their backstory on the fly in that way. Uh, I know it's controversial, but I think it's I think it's cool. Like, I think that's things reasonable. Change. Yeah. Because, like, things change. you introduce new lore details to your world. And, yeah. you know, things happen. Like, I've created whole new species in the course of the campaign. So yeah, they exactly. Wanna, exactly. I think that's reasonable. Yeah. So this one player, uh, I've been following her writing her backstory. It's 13 pages long at this point. We have fan art being done of this character by some people who have uh, written into me and asked like, hey, let me draw your party. And I don't know what's going to happen if this character dies, man. It'll be so sad. It's going to be so sad. I have no idea what I'm going to do with myself. Because, like, all of these people were, like, relatively new players. And these were, like, their first characters for, like, a legit campaign. So I'm over here just, like, I can't play favorites. I can't be like, oh, I can't kill you because you have a 13-page backstory. Beholder's going to do what Beholder's going to do, man.
I mean, mm-hmm. their victories are just so much more. I mean, when they they triumph over, I don't know if you saw my latest video, but there was a moment where one of the BBEGs in my campaign is mm-hmm. a big old shadow dragon, ancient blue shadow dragon. Like oh, this Lord. is a big big boy. Yeah. Uh, he got a he got teleported away using prismatic spray. He's gone. Okay, you, you got to tell that story. How did that happen? So <laughs> So what happened was, okay, so they have been building up to the Siege of Draconia. Don't mind that I stole that name from Matthew Mercer. It's a cool name, okay? It's a very strong wind. <laughs> it's, it's a great name. It's cool. It's a it's cool a great name. name. Absolutely. So, so anyway, and also my Draconia is still standing, all right? It didn't get broken down by an ice dragon. But point very is... Very important distinction. So, well, it did get broken down by a shadow dragon. But anyway, point is, <laughs> they, they're besieging the city along with... Because the my my gauge was okay. Bad ending is if they break ties with all of these important NPCs and leaders, and they have no friends, and they have mm-hmm. no one to help them with this very difficult task. They didn't do that. They they were nice people. They didn't break the law. Or they made ties. They helped the young right. girl grow into a queen. They helped the warmongering warlord find peace and happiness and in, in tranquility and all that. But mm-hmm. you know. They have their army, they're going there, and it opens up with some uh, an epic boat battle, and they get to the shore, and cue a one and a half, no, a two-hour battle against the Midnight oh. King. Oh, Lord. And also, I love having music in the background, so uh, I yeah, took- Yeah, you gotta make it cinematic. Yeah, I took the Godzilla vs. Kong soundtrack, cut up all of yes. Mechagodzilla's bits, and put it all together. <laughs> yes. And it's this epic battle, but uh, they eventually- we are down to the wire. At this point, four dragons have come in and out of this battle. A golden dragon that they summoned because he's their buddy. Uh, the druid mm-hmm. turned into a dragon. She got knocked out of it. And another bad dragon came in and helped out the big bad midnight king. And at this point, so four mm-hmm. dragons are in this fight. It is There are so many dragons on my board right now. The players literally cannot see their little guys because the dragons... How are- am I going to hold all these dragons? <laughs> I, I have paper miniatures I make for like $2. Oh, man, that's cool. I might make a tutorial one day. But anyway, point is, at this point, uh, the bard is down to... He's got one seventh level, and he's like, okay, I cast Prismatic Spray. And he's used Prismatic Spray once before, and it did a lot of damage, and that was it. And the party's like, oh, my God, okay, this is going to do a lot of damage. At this point, Dragon has used up its legendary resistances, and they Mm -hmm. are big brain enough to realize that. So they're like, okay, if he fails to save, this is going to be great. I roll a natural one. On a save, <laughs> and they're like, sweet. And then he rolls, he rolls a seven, and he's like, okay, uh, this blinds the target. That's lame. He had, the dragon has blind sight. And then he keeps on reading. The target is also teleported into an alternate plane of existence. There is no way back. I think that's <laughs> it. And I'm like, oh, oh man, I think that is it. So at the end oh, of the, Lord. after an hour and a half, uh, of epic dragon battling, they got to they got a little moment of describing how they pushed this dragon <laughs> through a portal, and there you go. That's how they slew the Midnight King. Oh man, that's always such like a bittersweet feeling because like you feel so proud of your party, you know, but at the same time, it's your big bad evil guy. You kind of get attached to him in a way, where like you walk around just like doing your daily thing and you'll get like ideas where I'm like, oh, what if he did this? What if he looked like this? Oh, that would make him so scary to the party. But then you just get teleported. Yeah. Or something. I do have have (laughs) a plan 
which I will not divulge, because I know, Caden, I know you listen to this show, so no spoilers, dude. <laughs> I see you. Claire. Yeah, the same goes for my party. I know they're going to be listening. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not going to be divulging any information, but I have a plan. I have a okay. plan, and it is a fun plan. You're going to like it. <laughs> but yeah. I have a feeling Midnight King's not done. Ooh, yeah, no. <laughs> he's not dead. He's just gone. Not dead. He's just plotting because he's now he's pissed off. Well, Sunday, Sunday, when this whole thing wraps up and they are talking, they're going to they're gonna try to bring peace and tranquility to the realm of Taldria. When, when all this wraps up, we shall see how it all goes down. <laughs> it's going to be great. But anyway, oh, I love it. aside from pet peeves and horror stories i mean you mentioned how your party or parties often like want to bring an npc along and i talked about this with artificial dm Mm. because i actually think it's fascinating is there a certain type of npc that your players just gravitate towards they're like i love this person they need to be protected at all costs Uh, i like to say that my party tends to gravitate towards those they know are incompetent Mm. because i don't know if they're like little sadists or if they just like okay we got to protect them by bringing them to the most dangerous place on the planet but <laughs> my party tends to like single out people like there's this goblin named jarvis who which the name was totally improv at the time because they literally just said we're not going to kill this last goblin uh we're going to adopt him but eventually it somehow ended up where they were separated but ever since then, mind you, this was like a year ago, maybe two years ago. They still ask me, when are we going to see Jarvis again? They're like level eight now. And Jarvis has like, what, five hit points? Poor Jarvis. <laughs> Another one is uh, this wizard who uh, is named the Professor, uh, Professor Followers Aaron. And he just wants to study fossils and stuff, man. Of course, he's, he's a little bit of a, like an Easter egg, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Your DM likes dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> And they decide we're going to go ahead and adopt this guy. And we're going to take him to the worst places on the planet. And they destroyed his museum. They destroyed his airship. They just effectively ruined this guy's life. But they, they got this idea that like, okay, we're friends with him now, which I mean, they are. Um, but it's kind of this running joke about how they just royally screwed over this one guy. Oh, by trying to help him <laughs> rip the professor oh man but uh yeah the the incompetent and the pathetic my party tends to like those <laughs> yeah that's interesting my d- artificial dm tended to his party tended toward like the cute and the innocent small people <laughs> and then mine tended towards just the normal guy yeah right? yeah like the there's i, I told the story already so I'll, I'll i'll tell it quick like but yeah. There's one guy, his name is just Roran, and he's got he's got a wife, he's got a house, happy job as a uh-huh. guardsman. He's just a normal dude. They love him. They love him so much <laughs> that our druid made little pins on Valentine's Day that cuz Valentine's Day happened to culminate at our at our game. She made little mm. pins that just said Roran fan club with like a little heart. She made them for all of us. That is so cute. <laughs> That's so awesome. That was like I love it. You are the best. But yeah. One of these days you got to show up to a session with some like 3D printed pins or something and just hand them out and have everyone be a part of the Roaring Fan Club. Yeah, it's going to be great. Got to do it, man. The um the the big thing is how do you manage 
because obviously like your party is going to want these NPCs. Do you do you ever find that you need to like rethink your plan around what your party clearly likes? Do you ever rethink your campaign? Like, okay, my party's enjoying this, so therefore I will include it more. Has that ever happened to you when you're trying to DM? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, I am under the philosophy that the DM acts as almost a servant to the players in a way. Of course, I mean that in like where everyone's supposed to have fun. You're not supposed to be self-serving as a DM where like, oh, this is my story. I want to tell it this way. No, you're building a world with your players and you're building a world that they're going to enjoy. So I think it's really important to sculpt your world into something that the player is going to have fun playing in. You got to be flexible with it. It's more like clay, not cement. And occasionally players will change the shape of the clay and you got to adapt to it. Just because you had this idea of like uh, your perfect fan fiction world that's going to like outdo J.R.R. Martin and uh, Mr. Tolkien doesn't mean that it's going to stay that way forever. Right, because at so, that point, just write a book. Exactly. <laughs> at that point, just write a book, write a fan fiction. Yeah. Uh, so if the party decides to pick up Roran or tries to pick up the professor or Jarvis, they're going to do it. And he's a part of the story now. Yeah, Roran was supposed to die. Yeah. <laughs> He's not dead. Well, actually, it would have been so depressing if he died. Cause, oh, man. You know, but yeah, he's he's married now. He's having a kid. It's great. Oh, dude. I'm so happy for Roran. I don't even know him, but I want to meet him. He's a cool dude. Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't, well, that should be, yeah. hopefully he doesn't that should die. Be your, yeah. That should be your character when we get around to doing our one shot. Yeah, just, just, just play as Roran. Average husband. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> He's a Battlemaster fighter. Those guys are no joke. Oh, yeah, definitely. Let me just whack you like 40 times in one turn. Yeah, those guys are no joke. Roar can mess you up. I mean, he's only like fifth level, so I mean, I don't know. But yeah. Exactly. Oh, man. Do you ever find when you're creating NPCs, and obviously like this doesn't mean it's necessarily a DMPC, but mm -mm. when you're creating NPCs, do you ever have like a favorite that you've made uh, that you just love to play and you love to play as my favorite, honestly, as much as I give my party crap for bringing the professor along with them, I, I really like him. He, um, let me see if I can do his voice. He's like, he talks like this. He's very proper. He doesn't, he doesn't like getting dirty. He doesn't like um, getting hands on, but he will certainly try his best. I love it. And yeah, he's a total it. coward. Every fight, he just like jumps in the nearest box and he just hides. And I just love playing that character. And like, I have to kind of like thank him for bringing him along because every time he was there, I just had a lot of fun with him. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, those kind of characters that you just love to play, I mean, obviously, you don't want to make them the focus of the campaign. But every time the party's like talking to them and you get to act out this character and build them up into someone more than just. You know, because obviously a lot of NPCs start out very basic because that's just the nature mm -hmm. of creating literally everyone else in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Have like, you heard that song? Uh, no. What song? There is a song by Outside Extra called Literally Everyone Else in the World where they sing about how great the DM <laughs> is for playing literally everyone. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not wrong. I mean, that's another reason why I don't really like DMPCs as a whole because you literally have to play the rest of the world. What makes this one guy so special, you know?
do you find it very gratifying when you have not just for npcs but for just the campaign in general when you have like an idea of what's going to happen and your players either keep it that way or they make it better have do you have have you ever seen that oh definitely um i have to say my best writing tool is my players mm. because i want to say a good 80 percent of the time they always change things to be better than i could have ever imagined it because like sometimes they'll i'll have like a simple like all right i got a dungeon they're gonna walk through it blah 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 but then they walk out with a brand new character maybe they befriend befriend like a, a basilisk of some kind they got a new pet uh which, oh god that's a really nice pet with... yeah <laughs> that's a that's a fancy pet yeah. <laughs> oh man my my party doesn't do well with pets uh at all uh none of them have survived have you okay so dale kingsmill i don't know if you've seen her videos but she always makes my she's makes some of my favorite DD videos on youtube because she always talks about how she plays monsters to be mm -hmm. to to accentuate like a piece of their persona and i bring this up because i play basilisks because i really i really enjoy the first jurassic park movie and <laughs> uh i love that scene in the kitchen with the not very scientifically accurate raptors are walking through and stalking the kids and that's how oh, i yeah. play that's how i play basilisks every time it's they're like a because i mean they they're they're stalking around and if they see you you're stoned so do you have that kind of thing with any of your monsters or any oh, of the definitely. monster manual creatures definitely uh with my interest being like squarely rooted in like zoology and paleontology i have a lot of insight into the behavior of uh, behaviors of animals and I think one of the most immersive things you can do with your monsters is make them behave like they're animals. Like a basilisk, like since we get, we're talking about basilisks, at the end of the day, they want to do what every other animal wants to do. They want to eat and they want to reproduce, essentially. They want to do what predators in the wild want to do. And when you make them behave like you were talking like with stalking and uh, using their stone vision in the way an animal with that ability would that makes it so much more immersive like dragons uh at the end of the day they're hyper intelligent they're they breathe fire they're scary but they want to eat they want to reproduce as well so having them behave like the animals that i guess they're based off of really just pays off nice least. i really like, like that I, I love that yeah it's We've really cool. kind of straight away from rpg horror stories so oh yeah that thing <laughs> it's time to it's probably time to talk about dm advice i mean we've already talked so much about it see this is what happens this is always That's fine this people listen so when you are creating these these monsters and creating uh creatures that uh, are are unique to your campaign and, and changing monsters from the monster manual to be unique to your campaign is there any creature mm -hmm. in the monster manual that just really lets you down and you just want to homebrew up and, and tweak to be something more intimidating or more interesting? Ooh. Um, well, I already discussed my opinions about the dinosaurs in the monster manuals. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I think the dinosaurs overall are very disappointing. They're designed to be low-level creatures. Um, but I think they can be so much more than they are. Like the Tyrannosaurus Rex, I think it deserves... Like, my homebrew was not meant at all for third level at all. <laughs> but looking back on it, I would totally run it in another game. Um, I think the potential of dinosaurs in games are awesome. 
like there's an animal called an Argentinosaurus. It weighs 120,000 pounds. It's massive. It's the largest thing ever to walk on the planet. Could you imagine attaching like ballistas and armor to that thing? Yeah. That would be, it would be literally like a city block walking along with archers and ballistas and armor on its back. Also, pot shot. One thing, one thing about dinosaurs that always fascinated me is that uh, they they always had not always, but a lot of them, especially uh, the 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 ones like Brachiosaurus or Argentinosaurus, they actually had problems mm-hmm. getting oxygen back and forth between their brain and their various uh, other uh, organs. So mm-hmm. I would be so fascinated to see like how a civilization who utilized them as battle machines would try to manage that. Like, would they create magical means for this creature to breathe easier or have more stamina or agility? Like, magic is a thing in these universes. So I like the idea of civilizations taking advantage of the crazy spells that we have access to as players. Like, Mm -hmm. one of my favorite, like, Ginny D and Mark Humes were talking about their favorite magical items, and she pointed out the Cloak of Billowing, which I don't know if you've seen that thing, but... Cloak of Billowing? No, I have not. It's essentially just a cloak that blows by itself. Like there's wind. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's it. That's all it does. It's useless. But I'm putting she, it in my game now. <laughs> she pointed out like someone, an enchanter out there, took time and effort out of their day to make a cloak that just blows in the wind. Is there some kind of magical fashion trend where people want cloaks that blow in the wind? Is this like a high class? It's like, it's mean, like self-made world building. Batman definitely shops with that guy. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So... <laughs> And like, who's not scared of Batman? Exactly. I think that it's a practical hey advantage on hey advantage on fear effects. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, advantage on intimidation checks in dim light. Oh man, I am the ba- there was a Batman homebrew rogue subclass. Oh, I don't know God. where it is, but somewhere. God, I mean, honestly, I would argue that Batman, he's probably like an investigator rogue monk multi-class i'm thinking yeah he is batman when you're looking at homebrew stuff because we're talking about batman's homebrew Mm -hmm. do you what what is your do you have like any well i don't think anyone has an anything goes rule but (laughs) do you ever when you're looking through do your players recommend you homebrews for example uh yeah actually Uh, one of my players recommended me this really interesting homebrew um it's kind of like for the player who wants to play a monk but isn't into all that key stuff. It's called like uh, pugilist. And it's literally just like the drunken bar. Yep. It's like, it's the drunken bar fighter. Like anything's a weapon. I'm just going to throw stuff at you until it works kind of thing. Yeah. I saw that on homebrew and I sent that to all my players. I was like, Hey guys, if I want to play a boxer in this pirate campaign. Cause like, I don't know. I I think the whole, I think unarmed combat in D and D kind of is a little bit disappointing. Yeah, Um, it's never effective. It'll never be as effective as picking up a blade or a hammer unless you're playing a monk. And even then it's augmented by magic. Yes, exactly. I don't know. I just think there's something so, I guess, entertaining and funny about just some dude who is just so belligerent that he's just like, I'm going to go punch a dragon. He's breathing too much fire. He's stealing all my sheep and stuff. I'm going to go punch him. I love the, I've always loved I mean, amongst armed with magical fists, I mean, that's cool. But uh, I love the Cobalt Soul Monk uh, that uh, that came out mm-hmm. of Campaign 2, A Critical Role, because it's essentially like a fighter who who can analyze the creature they're fighting and realize the weak spots and just hit them. Yeah, 
I love like, that. That's pretty cool. It kind of reminds me of like, uh, oh, I've never played Fallout, but uh, I think it was like Vats or something. I have never played Fallout either. Oh God, okay. All I can hear him now, the millions of fingers typing away at your typing. keyboard. Like, oh, these nerds don't know Fallout. <laughs> I mean, obviously I play a lot of Skyrim, but... Oh, um, of course. It's almost a requirement. Well, yeah, it's it's in the background of all my... Actually, I haven't played Skyrim in, I think, a year. I only play Skyrim to pull those backgrounds now. <laughs> I'm a heretic. Oh, Lord. But, yeah. I think, I think one of these days, when you're in your backgrounds, you just need to wait for Nazim to walk by. And just, just hit him punch with an him. arrow. Yeah. Just hit him with an arrow. Don't even, like, break in the story or anything. Just have it happen. Don't, don't even just... Well, I mean, but who is going to tell me if I get to the Cloud District very often? Oh, God. Uh, you're going to be up there, like, all sad be like, I made it. I made it I'm to the, the Cloud District. I, I'm in the Cloud District, Nazim. Doesn't he live in, like, an inn in the bottom bit of the city? Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't question him. He's just like, I mean, I walk into White Room. Yar- White, White Room. White Run. Y'all's like, hey, how you doing, buddy? And I'm like, just a sec. I got to go kill Nazim. I'll be right back. Yep, just give me a second. <laughs> Hot moment. But oh, yeah, when, okay, we were just brought up an NPC we hate in Skyrim, but do you ever <laughs> create NPCs with the explicit purpose of like a Dolores Umbridge type? I think my players are going to hate this guy and it's going to be great. Uh, yes, yes, yes. And yes, um, there will be people who I put in positions of power who are absolute, just like turd nuggets. Mm. And I make those people specifically complete like dick bags at level one with the express purpose that my party will come back when they're like level 10 level 11 and just get their revenge yeah it's just that that's the express person like you're the reason you're existed to be an asshole and then to die a year down the line have you ever (laughs) made a necessary evil npc like someone that is like morally ambiguous that does the jobs that the heroes won't do have, has that ever been something that you add into your game? Uh, okay, here's the thing. I know my party's listening to this, and I have something brewing, but I really don't want to spoil it, man, so oh. I'm sorry. But just know it's there, and for all of you listening, be paranoid. <laughs> They're coming. There They be a coming. Yeah, I did a Machiavellian schemer who, honestly, I had no idea how it was going to turn out because he's just a normal dude. Who's just big brain. That's it. Mm-hmm. He has no magic. He has magical things. Like he uses magic. He manipulates magic users. But he mm-hmm. himself is a crippled, like middle-aged half-elven guy with nothing at all. Oh, those are the best. Kind of like Jigsaw. Yeah, I love I love him because I love playing him because my druid and I will have like a political discussion in character, which is Man, those are the best. Yeah, it's awesome. Like, the combat that happens with words, in my opinion, in my personal opinion, the combat that happens with words in D&D is about twice as good as the combat that happens with weapons. Yeah, because you, so you can't get that kind of stuff with, with just hitting people, like that kind of insight into a character. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, eventually these word combats can turn into weapon combats. Um, it does happen. But I think a weapon combat following a word combat is going to be always more satisfying than one just like all right i'm gonna go hit him with a stick yeah there was a i've always loved those kind of moments uh do you ever have is there a moment where you're role-playing with a because you said your party is mostly new right 
they were new when we started. We've been at this campaign, I want to say, for like two years now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this, this was our first exposure to D&D. Uh, I was actually staying in a college dorm, and I had no idea who these people were. It was a new city. And I'm like, well, time to go into my comfort bubble because I'm scared. Uh, let's play D&D. Who wants to play? And uh, these people who I had gotten familiar with, um, they were game. They wanted to try it, and they were hooked immediately. And I knew I had a party for life. So... Is there any moment when early on or even now where your players just blow you away with either their role play or their combat prowess? Oh, all the time. Uh, I had to like, put a limit on inspiration tokens because they would just like blow me away so often. I can't be like, okay, I can't get these things out like candy or you might as well not even have uh, the dice in the game. There's this one time where the party ended up, they're currently on a heist right now. They are delving deep below the sewers uh, of a casino owned by the city's thieves guild. And they're going to try to steal their entire cache of gold and riches and artwork. And they are sitting in these boats trying to get underneath the casino to get to the vault. And they're just having conversations, uh, spending time just like getting to know each other's backstories and stuff. And I guess the connection that they form between each other as people, as they're playing in characters, like uh, one of these guys, he plays a massive minotaur. Um, in, in life, he's nothing like this massive minotaur. But you can see that it means the world to him when he can express himself through this giant cowman. Yeah, those and are it's the best. moments. Yeah, it's at moments like that where I'm like, I bleeping love this game i almost said the f word oh no yeah uh, <laughs> can't have that on this, no. on this children's program <laughs> yeah this good christian podcast <laughs> but yeah that that's what gets me so we're gonna wrap up here but uh do you have any pieces of last second advice either to avoid horror stories or anything about creating npcs or creative monsters uh that you want to share with our audience today uh, yeah, sure. Um, for me, uh, my parting bit of advice is all of our horror story channels, we like to poke fun at people. We like to say things for the sake of the joke. Um, but at the end of the day, these horror stories are rare. And like I said before, that's why they're a spectacle. And you should never let our content make you afraid to play Dungeons and Dragons because this at the end of the day, I think is one of the greatest games ever invented by men, by men next to like maybe chess or something. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, overall, if you get the chance, go play the game. I know a lot of people who listen to me and a lot of people who listen to you and a lot of people who listen to Crit Crab don't actually play the game and are scared to because they're afraid they're going to fall. Uh, they're going to find some neckbeard who's going to make them feel really insecure. Don't be afraid. Yeah, go for it. You're never going to regret it. I'll drink to that. Is there anything that you want to share? Any content that you want to talk about? Anything you're releasing soon? Um, nothing other than normal RPG horror stories that I'm going to be doing every Monday at 2. Uh, I know me, you, and a bunch of other creators are going to be coming together. We're going to be doing that one shot. That's going to be super cool. Um, I know that I'm going to have my community vote on my character, my race, my class, everything. So look forward to that if you're listening. Um, and yeah, I'm super excited to start collabing with more creators. Yeah, awesome. So everyone, if you guys enjoyed this episode of 
roll for insight, then please do leave a like. If you want to see more content from us, then please do subscribe to Dennis Drake. He's awesome and makes great content. And also uh, follow this podcast on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and subscribe to Crispy's Tavern for my other stuff. If you want to leave your own thoughts, go down to the comments down below if you are able. In essence, like, comment, subscribe. Thank you so much for coming on, Mr. Drake. Thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun. Of course. I will, we will see you all next time. Farewell.